0: Blob Talk Radio Urban Jungles Radio Urban Jungles Radio Urban Jungles Radio Urban Jungles Radio It's the world famous Urban
1: Jungles Radio With your host Anybody does an Urban Jungle
0: Radio, Urban Jungle Radio. Urban Jungle
1: Radio, Urban Jungle Radio. Urban Jungle Radio, Urban Jungle Radio. Five, five, four, three, urban three, Jungle Radio, Urban three, Jungle Radio. Three, My
0: May contain mature subject matter and extreme awesomeness. Listen at your own risk. Attention, jungle junkies and new listeners worldwide! It's time for the world-famous Urban Jungles Radio. It's the Urban Jungles Radio show with your host Danny Mendez, The Beastmaster, and Andy Lee. Prepare to enter a new stream of consciousness, higher level of awareness, and an overabundance of awesomeness. Streaming life at the speed of light from the world wide interweb, straight to your brain's core. It's the world famous Urban Jungles Radio.
2: You know, you, you, you think,
3: it's like what, five years now, Andy?
2: Yeah, just just about five years.
3: You, you, you think I'd know how to operate the goddamn switchboard at this point, and it just, it doesn't happen. It just does
2: not happen, Andy. Sometimes things happen, man. We get we get distracted sometimes, you know, before the shows, you know, we're bullshitting about stuff we want to talk about, and then... Blah, so funny. La, yeah. la, la, ha, ha. We're cracking each other up, and then all of a sudden, it's like, oh, shit, we got Oh, shit, seconds. we got a show to do. <laughs> I hope this works.
3: That's right, of course, inexplicably, undeniably. Urban Jungles Radio. <laughs> Welcome to another episode of the Urban Jungles Radio show. I am your Beastmaster, Danny Mendez. And um, with me, if you haven't guessed, of course, is is the man, the wingman of the hour, Mr. Andy V, chilling out over there on the couch of awesomeness. Andy, how the hell are you, man? It's been a while.
2: I'm good, man. I'm good. It's uh,
3: been a long couple weeks. Yeah, it's been crazy. And, and I, I'm sorry I flaked out on everybody last, last week. I uh, had some issues life last happens, yeah. Life happens, man. Life happens life happened and and I got in the well, of course, we've got extraneous noises in the studio this evening. It happens. It, um, it, adds to it all
2: the happens. It adds to the ambiance. <laughs>
3: <laughs> Here I'm we go. It, it all. Can I tell you? I, I know we got a, we got a really good show for everybody, and I, I'm sorry, if I digress. Do. But but we got a lot to catch up on, it and I got to tell you, I'm, I'm having a really hard time concentrating, man. It's my mind has wandered into this dark corner of of the internet, in Andy, and and uh-huh. it's become slightly. Obsessed with with, not not really obsessed, but I should say just just endlessly entertained by the sound of of tortoise sex lately and tortoise sex videos. It's just so goddamn funny, dude! I swear to God, come on, you know it's goddamn funny, right? It's hilarious. There's this, like like it's crazy. There's all these 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 videos. Oh and, my god! And and most of them are at zoos. Oh my
1: god. Yep. You
3: can't deny that it's
2: no, just that's hilarious.
3: <laughs> it gets old. Like,
2: it gets just... I actually heard that live. I know we do. I'm, well, you worked at a zoo, <laughs> so yeah. But I, we were walking um, down in Jacksonville, Florida, years ago into the Jacksonville Zoo, and um, we were at the entrance of the zoo, and where the the tortoise where the tortoise pen was was at the back of the zoo. Okay, like similar to how the Broncos set up, right? And you heard that sound, the, uh, and then the, the crashing of the shell at the front, and it was unbelievable. We it had-
3: bellows through like you hear it like everywhere.
4: I wonder your there's <laughs> a cheetah right there because there's some freaking because in cheetah like right there.
1: Good for him, man.
2: It's funny though.
3: Right? Like the funniest part. It, for me, about the whole tortoise thing is, of course, the, the tortoises themselves are pretty goddamn funny, you know, right. making these noises, but they put so much effort into it. But, but the little tortoises, Andy, have you heard, like, the little tortoises going on? <laughs> they
2: oh have, my God. They're having, like, an the, asthma attack. The, the, no, they have the this softest, like, these little tortoises, right?
3: And, look, he, you can kind of see him, right? Like the little he's box got, turtles? He's got, like, this little, like, angelic face, right? Like oh, little, yeah, yeah, the little, box turtles, yeah. No, no, they're tortoises. Oh, they are tortoises. But watch, listen.
1: Passion goes into that, Andy. <laughs> you know, he, gets so so, he gets so into it. And the, fe- the female is so not into it. Okay, I care that but he's so passionate. Look at the
2: passion in his eye, Andy. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I,
1: I wish I this. had that much
2: passion about anything in my life. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I can't stop <laughs>
2: This is horrible. <laughs> That's like my new favorite sound. That's your new favorite sound? Oh my god. That's going into the library.
3: Okay. From now on whenever there's something really exciting, Andy. We we have this going in the background. <laughs>
1: I love his little
3: passionate sounds. He's
1: like
2: so into it. He's, he like, he's like he's like projecting and.
3: Yeah.
2: <laughs> okay, I sorry. think I think he's I like cried. doing like the tantric singing. <laughs> <sexes, isn't he? laughs>
3: <laughs> oh my god! Tonight we actually, I honestly swear, I promise we have a fascinating episode of. Somewhere episode in, in this, radio. we have. Okay. <laughs> I promise. Okay, we're, gonna um, we're gonna kick it off with a special guest, Leanne Guswell. Um From yeah, yeah, Leanne. Come up in Newfin- I know I'm saying this wrong, New- Newfoundland, Newfoundland. Newfoundland. Um, she's dropping by for uh, for discussion on feral cats mm-hmm. and TNR services, which are trap, neuter, and return, for those of you who don't know. Um, this has recently come to light in her community, so uh, Leanne is an advocate for wildlife conservation and does a lot of good through Little Rays Reptile Zoo, where uh, they reach thousands of kids annually via outreach and education programs um, and live animal presentations mm-hmm. and all kinds of good stuff. So we're going to talk to Leanne a little bit. In a little bit about cats, and then shortly after that, we'll be joined by the one and only Mr. Sean Hafflick, mm-hmm. the uh, the croc sucker himself, who uh, okay. who just returned on uh, from. I guess you could say he re- returned from a mystical adventure abroad in in Africa. And uh, I wonder if he brought back like sacks of balls with him. Ball <laughs> sacks. Well we will ask him yeah, that or Ebola because I think he was like in like the really bad spot oh, yeah. too. So I don't know, I'm sure Good he, job. Good job, he brought Ron. back some some kind of orifice hemorrhaging joy. <laughs> but we'll <laughs> see. So we'll was. speak to Sean. Uh we'll he'll be joining us in a bit. We always we always love the greatness that he brings Absolutely. to the table. So um we will be be talking to him and, and yeah, and and we're gonna just kick it off, Andy. Are you are you excited, Andy, for this <laughs> evening? All right, let's go then, Andy. I can I can tell you're good to go. This is Emma
0: Locke from the human sensitivity tube, and you're listening to Urban Jungle Radio. Join Danny Mends live every Friday night at 10 p.m. in this quest
2: to bring you the very best in cold-blooded entertainment. Getting too much joy out of that. It makes life so much better
1: you <laughs> can't, I
2: can't Oh my god I
1: can't He's a little guy alone, man He's
3: having too much fun
2: He's enjoying, come on, man yeah, it. Hey,
3: more props to him I'm not gonna Absolutely. take that away from him in no. the slightest bit I mean, you know, more power to him He He got his little tortoise self on And go for him And he yeah. got his piece of shell and I'm proud of him, but I'm not taking that away from him. I just enjoy his vocalizations. That's freaking epic. Come on, His vocalizations dude. <laughs> and his, his facial gestures. <laughs> hey, you guys have to look for that video. Anyway, I, I digress. Well, have to apologize. I'm sure we'll Don't put it up forget. at some point. I'm sure we will. I'll have to repost that. All right. My first guest this evening is a wildlife educator and conservation advocate at Little Ray's Reptile Zoo in Newfoundland, where she's a franchise owner. She's also a strong advocate for wildlife conservation and a nature lover, so please give a warm jungle junkie welcome to Leanne Goswell. Leanne, hi, are you here?
4: Hi, I'm here. Yay! <laughs> I'm sorry, I was we got carried away. With, I didn't think you could hear me.
3: Oh no, no, we got you. We we got you. We 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 get carried away with tortoise sex sounds and and,
4: and I heard just... all that.
3: <laughs> oh no! <laughs> what a, a
4: wonderful introduction to this episode. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm
3: glad we can make it special. Yeah. <laughs> um, well, Welcome. We're glad to have you on the show. This is the first time we've actually had you on the show, right? Yeah. We, we haven't
4: it talked is, before. It is, yeah. I'm, I'm a little bit but we excited. we hang out at shows.
3: Good. You, you should be. It's a we damn do, big yeah. deal. <laughs> well, yeah, we get
4: right, to well, hang out every year in Toronto. Mm-hmm. So that's
3: true. That's right. We, we do get to see you up at the Canadian Reptile Breeders Expo up in Toronto, that we do so enjoy and crock you and all that good stuff that mm-hmm. happens. And, and just so happens, Sean is here this evening too, and in a very serendipitous turn of events. We all are kind of back together again, yeah, reunited, family. and it ah. feels so good. So, you going to go, Andy, why do you
4: doubt yeah. that? He says he's <laughs> here tonight to heckle us, so something to look
3: forward to.
4: Portland, <laughs> Ola, <Heckling>, oh,
3: <laughs> yeah. No, that's good. Well, yeah. you are here to to discuss a very important topic that is is close to your heart because I noticed um, on the internet this week there was a lot of discussion about um, a new policy at Saint John's. Is Saint John's a province? What explain to us Yankees? Saint uh, John's is is a city
4: it's in a city. the province of Newfoundland. Okay. There yeah. You go. So, Andy, Andy you yes. didn't know
2: that. No, my geography is terrible. <laughs> Good, I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> not, um... So, oh, in yeah, the there
3: city, is... there's there's a recent policy change regarding TNR. Now, you right. uh, there there are TNR programs in place. And and for those of you listening who don't know what TNR programs are, um, we're talking about trap, neuter, and release programs, where essentially people maintain uh, feral cat colonies and they will trap the cats. They will neuter them accordingly or spay them, mm-hmm. um, usually vaccinate them at some point too, and then they'll usually visually mark them, usually using an ear clipping. They'll take a little kind of triangle cut out of an ear and um, make a notch on the ear, mm-hmm. and that usually identifies the cat as a TNR cat. And then they return the cat right back to the area where they uh, originally got them, which, you know, that's the controversial point really right there, I guess, for a lot yeah. of people. So as a resident, of the area, Leanne, how do you feel about TNR programs as a whole?
4: Um, I don't really feel that that they are successful because they don't stop cats from from hunting and killing wildlife. Um, So a lot of people argue that they are successful and that over time, the number of cats will be reduced. Um, But currently, I mean, it does not stop these cats from hunting. So technically, it's it it does not work uh for saving wildlife.
3: And that's really the biggest issue I have personally with feral cats. Right. is is well, right. how yeah. much they affect yeah, how much they affect wildlife specifically birds. Um mm-hmm. you know, depending on where they are. Um but that's really the main issue. So, you're right. TNR programs, you know, I know the advocates will go back and forth on this forever. Yep. Yeah. Um, right. Like Not because they're crazy cat people or anything. Um, No, but they will go back and forth and it's forever talking about how TNR programs are successful in reducing numbers overall. And I think you know there's a lot of misinformation out there on this on both sides of the fence. And I think people use it, you know, according to their agendas. Um, My biggest issue, as I said before, is how it impacts wildlife. And and TNR programs do virtually nothing for wildlife um, it, it continues no. to negatively impact yeah the animals in uh, in the area so in essence that's the biggest issue I have with TNR besides the fact that I don't think it would reduce cat populations um, I, I, I think if anybody is familiar with how cat colonies are I mean Andy you see them all the time in, in mm-hmm. living in the city yep um, <clears throat> like there's no structure to those colonies like there's no given number of animals like the numbers come and go so I don't see how they can be efficient you know when you've got cats constantly moving in and out of these groups that may or may not be fixed or vaccinated or vice versa so um, I mean that's usually the biggest issue for me, it does nothing for population control, it does nothing for protecting wildlife, and then it does nothing for the spread of disease, specifically toxoplasmosis, which affects our native wildlife in a mm-hmm. big way. Um, and and right. it's a really unpleasant bug. You don't want to have it in the environment as a whole. So I think those three or four, I forget how many topics I talked about, but those, those, <laughs> those points are, are really the biggest issues I have with TNR programs as a whole working and you've
2: uh, you've seen firsthand um how toxoplasmosis affects wow, native wildlife that is at their insane. rehab center you know and that's really one of the
3: reasons I'm the biggest advocate against feral cats and and I've seen the impact firsthand um <clears throat> excuse me uh I've seen what Toxo does to wildlife. I've had to unfortunately euthanize animals that are infected with Toxoplasmosis because, depending on what stage of the infection they're in, it can or can't always be cured. So, yeah, I've seen that. Plus, I've seen just the effects of cats physically. I mean, what a lot of people don't realize is when a cat attacks an animal, nine times out of ten, that animal's gonna die
2: mm-hmm.
3: from from some septic, you know, bacterial blood issue usually. Cats
2: cats are horribly filthy animals. They are. are. You know, you you keep them in your house as a pet. Yeah, they're cleaning themselves all the time, but God forbid you ever get bitten by a cat. Like, a cat ever breaks skin, you're in trouble. Google cat bites. You are in trouble, man. Google cat bites. And even their
4: flaws. Like, as a, a bird owner, I'm aware of the risks that cats pose to birds because a lot of people keep pet cats and birds, and one little scratch from a cat's claw, that can be fatal to a bird. If you don't rush that bird to the vet immediately and get antibiotics, just the bacteria in their claws will kill birds.
3: Yeah, well, that's the thing even in wildlife rehabilitation, like with rabbits, we see this all the time. They don't have to have sustained some kind of really horrible injury to die from it. Usually a scratch, literally a scratch, is all it takes to doom wild animals.
4: Yeah, just a little puncture wound, and then that's it. They're done.
3: Yep, birds, reptiles, mammals, all across the board.
4: Yeah, and with the TNR programs, like there are a few issues that I see with that, and one is that there's millions, perhaps even billions of feral cats worldwide. I don't really think that it's possible to trap every single cat and stay and neuter them, I mean, by the time you you start to get around to so many cats, there's just more out there hiding and reproducing, and mm-hmm. it's really hard to get ahead of that. So mm-hmm. it seems like it's, it's kind of hard to get on top of that, um, and there's just always going to be a lot of cats out there. And over time, it may reduce the number of cats, but in that time, how many native species are we going to lose?
3: And and the number of animals that we're losing is is exponentially increasing on an annual basis with the cat population increasing. So we're seeing now literally in the billions annually, just in birds right now being destroyed. Mm -hmm.
4: Yeah, the numbers are scary. We can't sustain
3: those numbers. We, we we cannot is- sustain those numbers for more than, you know, uh, another decade. We're going to see some serious, some serious losses of species across the board. I mean, we already have seen. Species. We are. And you got to remember, I mean, I know that there are other issues out there for these animals, especially birds. Um, Here, Andy, something that we're unfortunately way too familiar with in the city as well as besides cats being an issue for birds are buildings. Yep. We see building strikes very commonly with all the skyscrapers in the New York City area where we live. So... Like, you know, there's a lot that they're contending with, but cats by far are one of the worst and, and one of the, the things that really make the biggest impacts. And it's so simple. It can it, it can be stopped. I mean, it can be significantly reduced in the very least if people yeah, would I, just be a little more responsible. I don't think
2: it'll, unfortunately, ever be stopped, but there can definitely be an impact and numbers can be reduced. But at the same time, as many cats that are being, you know, trapped and neutered or, you know, put down humanely there are just as many owners that are still letting their own cats out. Whether yep. they're feral yep. or not, they're still letting them out because they need the quote-unquote exercise. Mm-hmm. They're not supposed to be indoor animals. Right. Cats have been domesticated for however many thousands, if not millions of years, thousands of years, excuse me. Okay. And, you know, there are people that are constantly letting their cats out. I've seen it myself. I've taken in multiple cats from the outside because people just let them out. Yeah. Because they don't want yeah. to.
4: And people come up with all kinds of of reasons or excuses to let their cats out. You know, they say it's cruel to keep them inside. But the way Mm -hmm. I see it is it's cruel to let them outside. They're exposed to so many dangers outside, and they're killing so much wildlife. So, Mm -hmm. in my opinion, it's it's just safer for everybody to
0: keep them inside.
3: Your cat does not need to get outside. Your cat does not need to hunt. If your cat is bored... Be a more creative pet owner. Come up with something to keep mm-hmm. your cat busy. It doesn't take a lot, and exactly. you can do some stuff with with some really inexpensive materials. You can get creative. You can get cool little lasers and all kinds of crazy shit to keep go, both you and yourself. Go to an arts
2: and craft store. Get some crinkle paper.
3: You're done. It's a
2: freaking That's cat. Buy him a
3: box. Get him a goddamn box and put it in sunlight, and it's, they'll be happy. There like. are plenty
2: of of other. <laughs> there are plenty of other you know box big box stores that sell plenty of. Cat toys. And you can get crazy if you ha- if you are, are creative mm-hmm. with
3: building things. I- we've seen some amazing, oh, amazing my God, structures yeah. that people build in their homes for their cats. For their cats. Um, also structures that yeah. extend out of the home mm-hmm. for cats in, in, in enclosures. Yep. Yeah, those cats, Yeah, those pa- cat passageways are amazing. That, what an amazing idea. If your cat absolutely must get out, make sure that they're out in some kind of an enclosure. You know, something that's going to protect not only them from what's out there in the wild, but obviously the wildlife from from the cats themselves.
2: Absolutely, it goes both ways. You you don't, oh my God. Yeah, and
4: I've seen some really great outdoor enclosures for cats. They're really nice, and it gives the cat the opportunity to get out, but in a safe environment. And, you know, this summer I'm buying all kinds of outdoor enclosures to put in my garden so I can safely allow some of my animals to go outside. Um, but I certainly don't let them roam. And mm-hmm. I think if some of my exotic pets were roaming the streets and hunting in other people's gardens, I don't think they would be very happy about that. No, of no, course they would.
3: not. No. And, and statistically, no. your exotic animals would probably be safer to have around than cats. They would spread less disease, inflict less damage on the environment, and potentially to people, even. Like, it's such a simple thing, and it just drives me crazy. You know, Andy, a lot of people might not know that. Hold on, Land. Hold on. (laughs) A lot of people might not know, Andy, that Urban Jungles Radio has a sister page on Facebook dedicated solely to informing the public about this very topic which is keeping your cats, keeping cats indoors. indoors and and the page is called operation pussy lockdown that's right operation pussy lockdown that's right. <laughs> and crazy. we love operation pussy lockdown <laughs> yes, around here do. don't we yes we
2: do cat <laughs> advocates hate it but we, we love it we
3: love it yeah, absolutely we, we love it We advocate <laughs> it's, a that you to- <laughs> it's a great name thank you leanne see it's leanne approved leanne, <laughs> what's the page name leanne I'm not going to repeat that. <laughs> Good on you.
1: <laughs> it's Operation Pussy we're just Pussy talking up. about
3: cats. We are talking about cats. Exactly, exactly.
1: exactly.
3: So, no, um, but, but we do, we have a, a sister page. I guess it would naturally be a sister page. No, I'm called Operation Pussy Lockdown. Operation
2: Pussy Lockdown t-shirt's coming soon. Pussy Lockdown, Pussy Lockdown, Pussy Lockdown. <laughs> <laughs> we need to have that.
3: Like, I really <laughs>
4: like the cover photo on that page. With lasers in the
3: background. It would be like me and Andy with cats and lasers in the background. That would be the cover. But seriously, do check out um, Operation Pussy Lockdown Because it's all about locking the pussy up Keeping cats indoors mm-hmm. um, and, Being and, a responsible pet owner Yeah, and, and, and it's it's a place to also discuss This very topic um, <laughs> Albeit passionately um, and, and come up with alternatives for people Who will sit there and tell you That their cats need to get outside and, and, you know, it's just it's ridiculous It drives me crazy Just It's simple, it's just so simple You can help wildlife Your cat in its lifetime will bring home Hundreds of dead animals, without a doubt, whether you know about it or not, they may or may not show you um, so
4: they kill they kill a lot more and don't bring those animals home than what they actually bring home
1: uh, exactly.
4: according to a recent study, I believe we posted it on mm-hmm. the page um but you know a lot of people say, "Well, my cats go out and they don't kill they don't bring anything home but you don't see everything that your cat does and guaranteed your cat is killing, but perhaps just not bringing those animals home. Mm-hmm.
3: No, for sure. They are. They are. And, and, and that's what I'm saying is you can make an impact. You can literally save hundreds of lives mm-hmm. just by making sure your cat is indoors, you know, and doesn't have access to the outdoors. Cause I guarantee you they're killing everything.
2: You I mean, know. someone, someone did a, uh, uh, put up on YouTube, a video of their cat, like 24 hours, In the life of a cat that lives outdoors, they put like a GoPro on it, and you just watch the animal just hunt animals Mm -hmm. for fun, for fun. It wasn't eating them; it was just killing them because hey, I'm going to kill it like humans. And I
3: remember it was it was like a real eye opener how their Mm -hmm. ranges were significantly larger than people expected them. You know, they were going out farther because they also had like GPS markers on them and stuff. It was interesting; it was a really fascinating study. But there's tons of information on this. It's a topic that is going to be fiercely debated on both sides, but ultimately you just can 't deny the facts you can 't deny the science you can 't deny the most obvious factor being that if you just simply keep your cats locked indoors, mm-hmm. they will not contribute to stray cat slash feral cat populations in the streets, which will be less of an issue for people with you know who are for or against TNR. Um, it'll be less than an issue for wildlife and it'll be safer for the cats. They won't be getting squished under tires or picked up by crazy-ass people who are, like mm-hmm. torturing animals out in the streets. Or getting eaten by other animals like coyotes. Exactly, exactly. And it, this can all be prevented simply by keeping your cat indoors.
2: Very simple. It's simple. Very easily done. It doesn't take any effort on your part. In fact, it takes so little effort you don't even have to open that goddamn door to do it. I've,
4: I've heard it. from uh the- I've heard from a a few people recently who say, you know, they've taken in a feral cat or, you know, a cat that that was abandoned outside and the cat was probably, you know, eight, nine, maybe 10 years old. And that cat destroyed these people's houses because it wanted to get outside. They said, you know, it would tear screens out of windows and they just could not keep that animal inside, um, so, you know, what do you, you say to somebody like that um, for a cat that's that a is used going head. outside? It, I mean, I sympathize with these people. They want that animal to to live the best possible life. But mm-hmm. at when it's killing so much wildlife, how is that worth it? And it's a lot not. of people say, well, cats, cats can't be trained. You can't train them. But I don't believe that. You can train them. And I they think they can trained. just. They can adjust to a life inside. And in that particular situation, that's where an outdoor enclosure would come in really handy.
3: Mm-hmm. Yeah, for an animal like that that couldn't make the transition as easily, that would definitely be a solution. And, and there's different grades of solutions that you can follow up on, you know. But ultimately, like we're saying, just, just lock them up. That's all it takes. Not not that difficult. Just, just lock it up. Right, Andy? Just lock it up.
4: Just lock it up.
2: <laughs> just lock it up.
4: <laughs> I just don't understand, like how so many people just, they show no regard for wildlife whatsoever, you know, and, and we try and get the word out there how much damage these cats are doing. And they just say, you know, straight up, well, I I don't care. My cat likes going outside, so I'm going to keep letting, letting them outside. And mm-hmm. that just blows me away. I can't believe that there's so many people that they just don't care that their cat is, is killing so much wildlife.
3: Mm-hmm. There's this crazy sense of entitlement almost with it, you know, and it's a shame yeah. because people think that, yeah. you know, whatever, they can do whatever they want because it's their property or, you know, their home or whatever it is. It's, it's ridiculous.
4: It is, right. yeah, and, and these cats are, are roaming on other people's property, mm-hmm. and as a birder, I mean, I have several feeders in my garden, and the neighbor's cats tend to hang out in my garden, of course, because there's a lot mm-hmm. of birds around. Mm-hmm. And to me that's extremely rude for them to allow their cats to hang out in my garden. Um, it's unacceptable. It would not be acceptable for me to allow my lizards or snakes to hang out in their garden. So why mm-hmm. does their cat get to hang out in my garden?
3: You're absolutely right. There's no right there's no right for that at all. Like they have no rights to that and you yeah, their cats need to stay off of your property, especially as a bird, it's gotta be so frustrating. You know, oh, to- yeah. To want to yeah. have yeah. your yard set up and then have to deal with that, yikes! Yeah, it's not
4: fun.
3: <clears throat> hmm. All right, well, Leanne, are there any other points that you want to touch on before we move on with this? Thank you. I want to thank you first of all for coming out yes, and talking you. to us about it because I know it's something you're really passionate about, and you know, keep on being an advocate for this because it's so important. Especially, I mean, uh, uh, this is a lot of people don't even take this into consideration, but I, I'm pretty sure Leanne, you just like us, live along the um eastern flyway uh for a lot of migratory birds. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and so That's right. having a cat in these regions is impacting
2: That's animals
3: Well it's impacting animals on a global level, literally, because you have animals that are residents here. You know, things like, like say like our um our tanagers.
2: Okay.
3: Um our summer scarlet tanagers. I mean these are birds that spend their winters in the tropics, you know, mm-hmm. in the rainforests of like Belize or like in the Caribbean, and then they come up here to breed in the summertime, and they make this crazy perilous journey, thousands and thousands of miles over ocean, over coastline, just to end up getting eaten at somebody's bird feeder. Yep. Yeah.
1: <sighs>
2: yeah. Or, yeah or eaten at, at a at a beach or a park because someone let their cat out in a park. Yep. It, it happens. I mean, in a yeah. Place where they're well, to close to close to where I am. I mean, I was running this morning, and I saw two feral cats just walking around. They could care less that I was there. They were watching the birds in the trees, and they were watching the birds in the water. I mean, it's it's tough because you can just drop them off.
4: That's what they do. They're hunters. And, you know, where Mm -hmm. I live, um, with the new law that came into place uh, to keep your cats indoors, and there would be traps set out to collect these roaming cats, and the owners will be charged and ticketed, Um, there was a lot of people very, very upset by the idea that feral cats would be trapped and possibly euthanized. And it was a lot of the rescue organizations that we have here that were very, very upset by that uh, because they actually have feral cat colonies that they take care of. Uh, They provide them with shelter and they provide them with food, and these colonies have their own caretaker. Um, so, a lot of people were upset by that, and I did hear a comment that you know these these feral cats that have caretakers they don't really hunt because they're being provided with food, but that is not true because cats will hunt for fun, they're opportunistic feeders, they're going to hunt whether they're hungry or not
3: yep yep they are and and that's why they they have this incredible impact on everything because of the fact that they continue to hunt regardless of how sated they are you know and just kind of goes beyond the laws of nature as a whole <laughs> well, well definitely a topic that we can go on forever oh about God, because yeah. there's just so many angles to it but I'm mean, going to advise you guys definitely if it's something that interests you check out um, check out what happens in your local neighborhoods be a concerned citizen um, find out if there are TNR groups in your neighborhood and, and don't oppose them I mean be, be, be feel free to oppose them I should say um,
2: engage them how,
3: yeah, this is. I mean, it, it's 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 an it's unfortunate that these people kind of get their way, and I hate to come down on them, but ultimately, what they're supporting negatively impacts the environment in a big way, especially wildlife. Mm-hmm. Um, and it impacts everything from you know the casual birder in their backyard to. You know, the animals that are migrating thousands of miles and, and completing these perilous journeys, it, 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 it's a huge impact as far as humans go on wildlife, and it can be remedied quite simply just by keeping your cat indoors and learning more about TNR programs in your neighborhood and what you can do for feral cat populations in your neighborhood. So do your part if you want to help wildlife, and you can start by just locking the pussy up. That's all it is. Right, Andy? Just lock it up. Just lock it up. <laughs> hey, Leanne, you going to hang out with us?
4: Sure.
3: Okay, cool. I'm
1: here. Hang back a bit. Here
4: for
1: the night. This is Dominic Monaghan, and you're listening to Urban Jungle Radio. Urban Jungle Radio. Urban Jungle Radio. Urban jungle Radio. Urban, urban Jungle Jungle, jungle Radio. This is Dominic Monaghan, and you're listening to Urban Jungle Radio. Thanks for that, Dominic.
3: All right, our next guest this evening is uh, truly one of our favorites here at Urban Jungles Radio, and requires little introduction, and does strange things to Crocodile Chloe guys. Please help give Mr. Sean Halflake a warm jungle junkie welcome. Mr. Haflake, how the hell are you? Not here, apparently. Sean! <laughs>
2: Halflake, is this you? Hello.
3: Sean! Hey, hey, there you are. That's fine. Come on, man. You're Plus, not a stranger. You know the deal. You know the drill.
5: That's one way to keep me off the show. You just mute me.
3: <laughs> I always have to keep that mute button handy when you're coming on, man.
1: That was my
5: idea, Sean. <laughs> yeah,
2: figured. I Sean, figured. Sean,
3: Leanne, Leanne, Sean. No introductions necessary, I'm assuming.
5: <laughs> Sean, so, who? I know, I know... <laughs> That you're not gonna lead with a feral cat story and then bring me on and just be like, okay, we're done with that and we're moving on. I knew we weren't on. Away with
3: it. <laughs> I anyway, mean, to it like, was,
1: like
5: it now. was
3: a toss up. You see, because I knew that you were gonna you're gonna go into that and then there was there was gonna be it was really hard for me to not jump into some kind of a segue using Operation Pussy Lockdown and your name, but I, I did well. I stopped myself, Sean, and and <laughs> uh, we're here. And you, go ahead, Sean. What do you have to say about feral cats? Tell us what you gotta say.
5: We'll try to do this in a nutshell, but you know, I tend to be less brash than Leanne. She's a very, you know, I mean, she's out there. She just, you know, says all kinds of crazy shit and everything. So I'll just put it a little more lightly that these whole sure. trap, neuter, and release programs are nothing but a bunch of bullshit put together to make people feel like they're doing something about a massive problem so that they feel politically correct, and they can say, oh, look, we're trying to help out this problem, and it's a bunch of crap, right? These cats are not out there having sex with these mammals and birds. They're killing them and eating them, or just killing them. (laughs) This is like taking Jeffrey Dahmer, arresting him, castrating him, and putting him back out on the street. He wasn't having sex with these people. He was killing them and eating them.
1: Uh, no, I guess when was, <laughs> he was having,
5: well, well, he was having sex after they were dead it, uh, yeah. It up. yeah, but I mean <laughs> yeah, yeah. Point. <laughs> but, yeah, Good point Good point, good
2: <laughs> point Yeah, you yeah,
5: gotta yeah, get your psychos uh, lined up um, I mean, it's absolutely ridiculous And it's nothing but A feel-good little cozy Make my, you know You know, my spineless little jelly back And uterus feel good And um. it's crap you know, you're releasing these animals back into the wild to maim and kill wildlife for another what? Five, six, seven years? Absurd. Well, and do, when you I look mean, at ha- these numbers what's that-
3: you, do do any of you know the mechanics in how it is that they claim that TNR reduces populations, aside from you know, the animals not breeding themselves, I just I can't see animals not influxing into those populations.
5: Well, they do. There's the problem, right? Because, you know, obviously I live in Florida. We're one of the number one states for feral cat populations. Um, Florida Wildlife Commission estimated, and this was like a decade ago, that just in Florida alone, 10 to 15 million feral cats in the state of Florida. And, you know, what they say is, oh, obviously by castrating these animals or, you know, whatever, um... That That's reducing the breeding that goes on in these wild populations, and thus these feral populations, you know, diminish. That's not what happens. What happens is, you know, they yep. do these, they notch the ears on these things, people set up these colonies, they feed these colonies, they take care of these colonies. Other people see these colonies, and they go, oh, hey, that looks like a good place to drop my cat, yep. mm-hmm. because they're being cared for, and they're being, you know... Uh, fed. And wow, isn't that great? And I don't feel so bad for being a shitbag for, you know, abandoning my cat at this location, because look at the cute little colony with the little blue haired ladies that are out there effing up wildlife by taking care of these colonies.
2: It's true. It's so
3: bad. And, and, and it I, It's the I whole goddamn fluffy thing. It, it drives me crazy. It's the whole cute and fluffy thing. They, they get the free ride because they're cute and fluffy.
5: Right. It, it is unreal, and and I'll tell you what really needs to happen. One of us needs to become a billionaire, and then spend most of our money on billboards throughout the United States, and abroad, that demonize little old ladies who take care <laughs> of feral cats. Oh my
1: god. I love, this, I love this idea. That
5: is the solution. Absolutely. That is the solution. We will actually <laughs> set it up to where they are ostracized from society by doing this, and let just general public opinion demonize them, and it will turn the whole feral cat population thing, boom, right around like that.
1: Don't be a douchey Whoa. grandma. <laughs> <laughs> Nobody likes a douchey grandma. <laughs> but, John, it,
4: it's very much the opposite of that currently, because these people are seen by the general public as doing a wonderful thing and saving these cats. And, I mean, that's the complete opposite of, of what you just said, you know?
5: Oh, I know. And that's why we nailed that billboard campaign. Right. Absolutely. <laughs> I would okay. put little little old ladies up on the billboards with just thousands, pictures of thousands of dead little cute mammals and birds. And, you know, and we would call them out. And we could even get a program where people would just cruise – and they'd get their license plate numbers, they'd put it up on the website so people could know who they are, and it would totally be sweet.
2: Get some mobsters
3: involved, <laughs> crack some fucking kneecaps. It sounds like you're building a, a pedophile database.
5: Well, it, it, would be, it would be like wildlife rapists, and that's where we turn it, and those would be, I'm telling you, it works.
2: <laughs>
3: Look mommy It's a douchey grandma <laughs> She's feeding cats <laughs> Grandma are
2: you douchey
3: And we can like Get like the Bloods and the Crips Enlisted to like Beat the shit It would, it would <laughs> be like <laughs> The blue hairs For the <laughs> hair Hey yo grandma Is that cat food Break that bag <laughs> <laughs> Serious? I I would love that I But just the reality Of, of the fact Is just that You know they They'd rather villainize The snakes in the fucking Everglades than then ever really look at that you know unfortunately but it's it's true and I agree 110% with you it's it's crazy and it makes no sense from any perspective from logical scientific whatever like it just it just makes no sense whatsoever but unfortunately I don't see a solution at any point in time for this it's it's not going to go away
5: I think No it's not in, until there's massive pressure from the scientific community you know for you know, for this to be really turned into law and and pressed. And I think the only way that's going to happen is where all of these organizations um, are going to have to press. I mean, do you you realize the AVMA, you know, also has, you know, put out and said, look, you know, we don't support this. Not only don't we support it, the Committee for Environmental Policy and that, um, for the AVMA, actually cites some of the things as the humane euthanasia of these feral cat populations. And it's not just because of the wildlife. It's what you got to address. It's a hard life out there. You know, you've got mesopredators like uh, coyotes and that um, that are attacking these animals. And these animals get diseased. They get injured. They fight amongst themselves. Um, you know, it's a, it's a hard life. And... Um, for for both them and uh, and the wildlife. So anybody that's putting their cat out there, you know, you're an asshole. Stop doing it. I don't care what excuse you use. You uh, you're just a, a, a piece of crap and you're uneducated. Educate yourself and uh, do the right thing. I don't want to hear any damn rationalization or excuses or anything else because there's way too much information out there now for the general public. These studies are coming fast and furious. You know sixty million sixty million feral cats in the United States that's absurd that is crazy you know and uh, i i just i have yet to hear one good argument out of anybody's mouth on why these animals should not be humanely exterminated from i just don't under,
4: I don't understand why why people think that a non native domestic species has more right to live in the wild than a native wild animal. You know, it's, it, it can't be both. They cannot successfully live together. That that just won't work. It, so it, it has it's to be one this. or the other. And these people who are allowing and helping <clears throat> these girl cats to live, they, they're not doing wildlife a favor at all.
5: No, they're not, but part of it is, right, it's our Anglo-Saxon upbringing and indoctrination that domestic cats are good and cute, and, you know, and that's great. House cats, love them. You know, got no problem with them at all, keep them inside, Um, but once they go out, that's a whole different Mm ballgame. You know, our society has issues with, for whatever reason, we will be like, okay, that's a pet, that's a pet that's food, that's a pet, that's food, where you travel around the world, and they kind of got this thing where that's a pet and it could be food, that's a pet and it could be food, and yet we have this weird thing in our head, Um, you know, in the United States, Europe in general, um, and our our brethren up north in the Arctic tundra of Canada, and... uh, (laughs) And we just can't get this through our head that, you know, look, cat meat tastes just like cow, only smaller and more tender.
3: (laughs) So what you're saying
1: is – And the rest of the
5: world gets it. We don't. Come
3: on, Andy. Come on, Andy. Sean is telling you that it's okay to eat pussy, and you're going to sit there, and you're not going to
2: say anything about that. (laughs) What? Andy. I couldn't agree with him more. (laughs) I couldn't agree with him more. (laughs) Not not, not stranger pussy. Like – Indoor pussy. No,
3: you don't want like wild, crazy <laughs> pussy because you don't know where it's been. No, it could be just no. dragged around anywhere and get you can pick up all, pussy can pick up all kinds and, of crazy stuff. Uh, you don't want to put that in your mouth.
2: No, no, all, so all sorts you, of diseases.
3: You, you want, you know, you want some some clean pussy. Absolutely. Yeah, Okay. Sorry, Sean. I'm going guys. You just <laughs> oh no, it's all good. You know. <laughs> 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 no, but uh, it's it, it's crazy, and the thing that's most frustrating for me is it. I I think it's literally our number one biological problem i mean as far as in, impact goes as far as invasive species go i mean just nobody does it better than them and
2: yeah i mean they get the pass
3: they get the pass you know, you know
2: sean said that you know uh over a decade ago there was the the numbers of 10 to 15 million uh outdoor wildlife uh feral cats in in florida no one talks about those. They talk about the Burmese pythons that aren't doing anything to the environment. Right. Like, how many...
5: There was a a U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service um, research that was done years and years ago, and it identified the number one killer of the Key Largo wood rat, which was critically endangered, as, guess what, feral cats. This was forever ago that this study was done. I think I think it was about a decade or so. And that was identified. Nobody ever picked it up. No one ever seems to care. There's a colony at a yacht club basically right across the street from the stronghold of what's left of this Key Largo Woodrat. And is anybody doing anything about it? No. Matter of fact, they have a budget of close to $100,000 and a staff veterinarian to take care of and feed and harbor these little criminals.
3: That's crazy.
5: Yeah, that's beyond crazy. And maybe the FWC, (laughs) if you're listening in Tallahassee, get off your damn asses and do something for real. Instead of worrying about all the politics and all that, and start doing something about the feral cat populations that right now you're allowing counties to set up ordinances to protect them, which is an absolute violation of FWC's mandate within their constitution for the for the state of Florida. Absurd.
3: We're actually not. You got no backbone.
5: Season. You got no sack. Step up and stop worrying about your jobs and do the right thing.
3: And, and I was going to say, we're actually starting to see this get to a point where we're seeing toxo affecting marine mammals in Florida.
5: Toxo's bad shit, man. It's it crazy. It is a horrible, horrible disease. And Does
1: I can effect- tell you about
5: horrible diseases. I just came from West Africa. <laughs> we were right in Ebola territory, and you know how many damn feral cats I saw? Zero. Zero.
3: Okay, because it should be eaten up in a second. They eat them. Yeah,
5: they eat them. So not. West Why Africa, is? right? Cote d'Ivoire, Liberia, right? All these what we would consider—oh yeah. oh my God—the primitive jungle, mosquito-infested backwoods, you know, we
1: developing ain't got no
5: low-brow nations. Well, they didn't feral have cats. a damn feral cats.
3: I got no cats. <laughs> I got no cats. I got no cats. <laughs> Listen, um, dude, that's crazy. <laughs> Sorry, Andy. Andy just got that reference now, and is catching up with him. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> I was gonna ask you, Sean. Like, I've been traveling around like a little bit—not as much as you but a little over the last couple of weeks, right? And everywhere you go, man, even if in Canada, Andy, we saw this. Everywhere you go, they have these giant red signs. If you've traveled. To the Ivory Coast, if you travel to Sierra mm-hmm. Leone, like any of these countries, you have to like let us know right away. How the fuck are you allowed like to go anywhere after that, man? How do they let you go anywhere at all after you travel to those countries? Absolutely.
5: Well, because when they ask you, you say no, and then we <laughs> just <don't know>. no, <laughs> nope, nope, nope. Actually, the Ivory Coast itself and Côte d'Ivoire is right there, right? It borders Liberia, and Liberia has some some pretty hot stuff going right now um but the ivory coast has somehow successfully not had one verifiable case of ebola
1: Hmm. um
5: even though right across the river and the border they it's cooking um and it could be (laughs) because they're pretty (laughs) (laughs) heavy-handed they are pretty heavy-handed about keeping uh keeping the border pretty clear and clean and, and nobody crossing over and that. Um but look, we were right in it. Matter of fact, let me let me tell you this. We go into a and uh we spent a day and we were training um the keep the croc keepers of the zoo and the crocodiles and setting up and revamping their incubator system for these critically endangered crocodiles. Eggs, and we robbed a couple of nests from their exhibit of females who had eggs, and set them up in the incubator, and did all this. Met with the director for this, you know, agreement um, for uh, for crocodilians, and 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 an MOU for for another zoo that's uh, working with them out there. And um, then, boom, 5 a.m. We get up, drive 15 hours into the most remote part of the Ivory Coast you can get, and. It night falls. We get torrential rains. It's washing out part of the road. It's insane, and so we're driving along, and my phone goes off with my indicator that I got a new text message. And I open it up, and it says, "Welcome to Liberia." Text messages are fifty cents outgoing, and you know, and um, yeah, that's right where we were. So we spent the whole time in though in the middle of the jungles and that. And we didn't have a lot of contact with humans, except for some, like, chimp rangers and and stuff like that. And um, so not a real issue. But when we left, we busted out on the north side and hooked into another road. And we basically went right through, drove right through those frontier towns where Ebola is a huge issue Um, and still ongoing. Um, But what they've done is closed down... Um, the, um, wild trade in bushmeat in these towns. So they've gone in and all these markets where they're selling all this bushmeat, where, you know, where a lot of this, uh, the reservoir for this Ebola, um, they confiscate stuff and they burn it. And, and so it stops that bushmeat to human transmission. Um, so they're, they're getting a handle on it. Really now what's happening is, because of the culture and their you know, when a family member dies they, they mourn the body and, and, you know, the rituals are different so you're you're getting human to human transmission now as opposed to, you know, the bushmeat uh human vector. But that was crazy. Um I never think about that stuff. I, I kinda like that, um, being out there and thinking, you know what? The whole rest of the world is just too afraid to come out here and initiate research on two populations two species of crocodilians um, in this remote area. So it's, somebody's got to do it, and that's what I like. And it was awesome. Would it be was like, insanely fuck awesome. Fuck that!
3: You know, I would just be like sitting there with the alcohol gel in my hands every five seconds, and the baby wipes everywhere. I'm not sure like, that's gonna help you. No, fuck that! And, like be plugging things up my nose, like in the town. Okay, listen.
5: One of the individuals that I brought with me had more hand sanitizer with him than you can shake a stick
1: with.
5: And I'm not kidding. He was on it, man. When I got that uh, text message about Liberia, Welcome to Liberia, and showed him... I'm telling you right now, every bit of color washed out of his face, and, and he was like, if you would have given him, like, a transport right then and there back, he'd been gone.
3: That's when you get, but, like, random ketchup packets and, like, smeared, like, out of your ear, and just, like, they just don't even acknowledge it, right? Just make like, believe you're hemorrhaging out of different orifices.
1: <laughs>
5: uh,
3: Screw so
1: that, it good
5: shit. It was, like, it was insanely good. We went out, we brought... Um, you know, a, a a zodiac inflatable boat out with a, a motor, and we're doing all these surveys on the river, and we had PVC uh, blow up kayaks, and so the uh, the individual, the PhD that had given me the invite to come out and kick this off with him and help him out, um, and train the people of the zoo, you know, says, hey, I'll take your your guys out, and um, you know, the first night, if you take my PhD candidate who's Iborian out, and you show him the ropes, and um, he's like, you know, we'll take this river, you take that little river, and of course, they've got a 15-horsepower brand-new Yamaha engine. I have a paddle, and (laughs) so he says, you're going to have to do all the work, because he's not really very strong and doesn't know how to kayak, so off we go up this river, and little did I know that because that torrential rain that we came in on... That river was about two meters higher than it should have been. For those of you who can't do that conversion, that's almost seven feet. So it was kicking. And And long story short, after a night of him missing a bunch of crocodiles and me getting frustrated and just not only doing the paddling and everything else and the catching and that, we come to an impasse, and we can't get through it. We can't portage around it. So we decide to turn back. And this was at about 11 o'clock, maybe, maybe 1101. And uh, so we start going back downstream, and in this raging river, he grabs on to a branch and capsizes us, <laughs> oh my gosh. and we lose everything, including our lights.
1: Oh, I
5: wow. take on water into my sinuses and lungs because I went down backwards. Oh, and, no. and oh yeah, so the river drugged me under. I pop back up and just start grabbing. No, remember, this was so dark I couldn't see my hand in front of my face. Oh. Right, we're we're in West Africa in the middle of nowhere. Crocodiles, the whole deal. Nope. And so I just flail out and manage with my right arm to grab this great cluster of what they call. Hairy palms, and <laughs> go ahead.
1: You can go blind if doing
5: that. No, and that's P A L M S, like the tree. Palms, and um they call them that because they are covered in about inch long thorns, needle like thorns, uh, like a I dozen plus, like every square inch. Uh. So I wrap my right arm around these things and clench down as the river tries to pull me away from them. And with my left hand, I just happen to, like, you know, flailing and reach out and catch the overturned kayak by the seat strap upside down. Mm -hmm. And so I'm spitting and coughing, and I'm yelling for him. And I'm like, grab something, grab something, and I'm not hearing anything from him. Pitch dark. So finally I hear him, you know, and he's like, Sean, you know, and we go back and forth. So can't see anything. I get my my leg up on these palms and these, these thorny vines. I get up onto the kayak. I do an inventory. And then the whole, this is what I love, kicked in, right, my adrenaline. And I take an inventory. i got my pocket knife. I've got a roll of electrical tape. And I've got my iPhone in a life proof case.
3: So I've got <laughs> I life. got light.
5: So <laughs> dude, listen, I'm telling you now life proof, man, I'm I'm sold forever. And uh, so I get this light on, I've got it clenched in my teeth, the iPhone, and I'm looking he's like eight to ten feet away from me, hanging on to some vines. And I'm like, Michelle. Oh, by the way, did I tell you that this guy doesn't really speak English?
1: Oh my God.
5: <laughs> so I'm like, Michelle, you have to get here. You know, you have to get to the kayak. And he says, I can't swim. <laughs> oh, fuck. Oh, yeah. God. So all my plans just went out the door. So <laughs> I finally Right, and I'm in full, like, MacGyver mode. I get some vines, I feed them down to him, he grabs those, I haul him up, we get him on the ki- overturned kayak, we got to get him under all these hairy palms, so then we're face-to-face, and he's so freaked out, you can't even imagine. And uh, so I start cracking Joe. I actually, even took a picture of him on my iPhone just for the hell of it. <laughs> um, you know, for that photo blog later. And, um... So then I devise a plan. We get him over onto this limb. I get him up off the the kayak. I use vines that I twisted together, fed down through the strap in the seat, and then taped with my electrical tape. (laughs) Got off on the vine, turned the kayak over, put him back in it, and told him basically, we've got to go. Because we can't stay here, if we get more rains, you know there's no way with him not being able to swim he's gonna he's gonna live, and so off we go, and I told him you touch nothing, so for an hour and a half, I navigate with my iPhone clenched in my teeth, and I use my hands as paddles and my foot to steer. All the way back through these down trees and these rapids and everything else. That you was a good night. night. That was the first <laughs> night in the field in Ebola, Central West Africa. <laughs>
3: See, my night would have been so much quicker because I'd be like, "Dude, you're a foreigner named Michelle. You're gonna die. Like, you're gonna die. No one will even know what you said. I, like, that's
2: it." And, and Sean just became Chuck Norris. Diver, <laughs> and and all scuba in one.
3: Steve,
2: all those things,
3: right But here's the thing: see, you gotta take me on these things with you, Sean, because there would be no issue because you would not stop hearing me screaming the whole time and be there. Like you'd have like neighboring villages being like, "We heard some woman in distress." What's the on I just like, oh,
1: Sean, ah! the whole time.
2: <laughs> We're not in the when, boat. When we
1: actually. hang
5: up here, I'm gonna post the picture on Facebook. Of what my arms look like from those vines, Matt, the next day, it's insane. I'm still picking thorns out of my flesh that come to the surface. It was
4: insane. No, it was a successful trip. What's that? It was very successful by the sounds of it. It sounds very typical. Absolutely. I
5: mean, you know,
4: you you don't
5: just go to West Africa and ease into it. You kick that bitch off. With something like that, exactly. and then you know, you know what, this is going to be one hell of a trip.
3: You should write like Great. the Frommer's version of like adventure trips, and and you can like rate it. You can be like, this gets three heflicks.
5: <laughs> 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 oh what! You didn't almost die the first night?
3: <laughs> Come on. Uh, only one heflick <laughs> for that. Oh, you're novice. <laughs> oh my gosh, no,
1: that, All that's
5: the greatest. So so we get Pretty back well. to camp. We get back to camp. I drag the kayak with him up on it, you know, up on the beach. We head back to the, to, you know, to the the main little base camp, thing. and and he's like, I go to bed, and I'm like, yeah, good idea. So he uh, off he goes. I hear the boat motor, you know, about ten minutes later. So I walk down to the to the beach of the river, and here they come, my two guys, and and uh, you know the the guy who. Uh, who invited me to come help and kick it off. And so, you know, I don't want to freak my guys out the first night in the field by giving them the <laughs> I almost died story. So, you know, I'm like, you know, oh, hey, you know, we got some we got some housekeeping to talk about, you know, the program for tomorrow and everything. So why don't you guys just go up, and, you know, and we'll meet you up there. So while we're waiting for them to get out of earshot, you know, he's got his headlamp on. We walk over um, to the kayak, and he looks down. And the kayak's full of like thorns and vines and leaves and water. Blood. And he goes, Damn dude, least you could have done was empty the kayak. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, I'm gonna punch you in your mouth, I swear to God. But
1: Yeah.
5: But that set the tone for uh for the next two weeks and it was awesome, man. We were catching um, you know, osteolamus uh the uh, African dwarf crocodile and this is the species that is yet to uh be designated a uh, species name and so no no real research except for this guy's math the genetic research on it and then we were doing research on uh the mesostops cataphractus the African slithertailed mm-hmm. um crocs in this population and just interesting is one of the things we found is, boom, right off the bat, that this population is probably the strongest in the entire range. And this is a critically endangered crocodile. There are very few of them left. Um, And within this area, we found a really strong population. Um, So it was exciting. Um, Pygmy hippos and dikers and... I, uh, I posted a picture of the largest emperor scorpion I've ever seen in my life.
1: I like, it's saw right that. In my head. That's cool.
5: Yeah, wow. I mean it was insane. Went out and uh, with the um, we went out doing surveys. The the dwarf crocodiles pretty much they're really terrestrial. So at night they get up and they move across land and they forage and stuff. So <laughs> we were out doing that by the by the chimp, um, ranger camp, which is like a clearing, some you know tarp type things. <laughs> And, a yeah. campfire. and we come back, and uh, we're laying there, and the, the ranger comes back, and he's like, oh, yeah, they're, like, a, a kilometer and a half away, nested down maybe two kilometers. So the rest of them get up to go, and they're like, let's go, and I'm like, not staying. And they're like, what? He's like, you don't even have a pack? And I'm like, no, I'm staying. You know, I got I got some, like, dry-roasted peanuts in a bag in my pocket, and I'll, I'll eat those. Oh, oh take off Let's and take go, off, back, go back, hike back, hike which back, is like uh, uh, 7 or uh, 8, I, I stay there, I stay there. Wake, wake up at wake up, about 5 a.m., we, we go find we the, find chimps, the chimps, chimps, and imagine and this, it. it's that it's twilight pre on, on, and you can and hear, you hear the chimps, chimps, and they're already, they're moving, already a moving a little bit, bit. and all of a sudden, not only can you hear, but you feel in your bones and your chest from about from 50 about yards away just drumming down, on, the on the buttress the roots, roots of these massive the rainforest, rainforest trees, trees as the, as the alpha, alpha chimp, chimp drums and, and beats beat on this thing and then screams and, and, and others take up, take up that same, same communication. communication it was the oh. most prime oh. oh. evil planet of the ape shit I've ever never heard in my life, my life.
3: <sighs> ah, that's crazy Wow. It was
5: insane.
3: Were, were they responsive to you guys? Like they were they reactive to you at all?
5: They basically because they're used to the Rangers tracking them. Mm. So as long as you kept you know, they pretty much kept that buffer um wow. area between you, but you could get within like one of the first that we saw once that, you know, got light enough, but and they were all around us was um a huge female with a baby on her back. And we're maybe, maybe twenty five feet away.
3: You had line of sight,
5: you know, Did you see each other,
3: or was there a visual? You had line of sight of each other, or were there a visual? Barrier? Oh, absolutely,
5: absolutely. You know, ah. and they just kind of look at you, and as long as you didn't push that that buffer zone between you, you know, they were good. It was amazing. It was awesome. And but that communication, I wish I had like taped that, recorded that because. It was the coolest damn thing I've ever heard in my life.
3: What an experience. And, and I think people don't understand either what it is to experience a wild ape. I mean, I've can only i never experienced it. I can only imagine. I know captive apes, and I've, I've seen so much and just looking at them. I mean, to be able to see a wild ape and have it see you, dude, I'm jealous. Holy shit. Like, what an amazing moment that has to be.
5: That, imagine, like for me, it was so surreal because here's one of our closest relatives, right, in its habitat displaying that communication ability. I mean, they are drumming on these buttress roots, and the but by default, these buttress roots as they come out make an amplifier as they feed away from the trees. So this thing echoes and and is pushed out away from that tree. It's insanely loud. And then you hear another one pick it up, and then another one pick it up, and you wow. think, holy shit, this is like, you know, I mean, this literally, you're going back tens of thousands of years and seeing that communication. It was awesome. I'd love to know what they were saying. It was probably like, "Let's give these, you know, hairless apes just, some Ebola shit right now."
1: I was just gonna uh, say, I like,
5: just be like, "It's not about me,
3: right, guys? We're all good here, right? Okay, we're we're cool." Here's, that is shit, <laughs> man. Wait, so you went down there and you were helping out a zoo. Like, what is a zoo like in West Africa?
5: Well, you know what? It's um. About anywhere I go in developing nations, the zoos are pretty similar. If you would go back, turn back the clock about 40 years or so uh-huh. in the United States, or in some cases go to some, you know, here in Florida, and uh, <laughs> they're still like that. Um, but uh, it is very boxy, a lot of concrete, um you know, the pools have like tile in them because that looks clean and very, you know, I guess, you know, proper. So it's pre
3: naturalistic you know, era type.
5: <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> and you know, and they're trying, you know, but they don't they don't get the finances, they don't get the allocations from the government and almost all of them are government owned. You know, but um they're making big strides. One of the things we did, you know, I brought a lot, I brought about I don't know close to two thousand dollars worth of equipment over there for the incubator hmm. and for just equipment and you know their wish list for the for the actual uh you know field projects as well and and um even talked about you know developing um some new uh enclosures and habitats and breeding setups for the osteolamus the dwarf croc over there that they have uh, species and and um and doing additional work with the cataphractus, the African slender snouted in the zoo over there, and and you know so it's not like they don't want to change, they just need that support, they need that help, they need that kind of knowledge, that that you know knowledge base that that uh, they don't have, and and uh, you know they're passionate about the animals, they care about them, they they want to learn about them, they want you know they want to take care of them, um, you know it, it's just uh, like I said, they're they're just behind us um you know with with the uh, the technology and the know-how um you know that we've struggled through for the last you know really 30 years compared to what they've got there
3: right so i assume that there are organizations here in the US that are are working with them
5: yeah san diego zoo um has uh you know has has kicked in and they're they're doing some good work nice. with, uh, the africans to understand the crocodiles which is uh, one reason i was over there and and um which is you know awesome they have the Bidejon Zoo has the world's largest breeding population of African slender sounded crocodiles and they have i think 35 adults and that's six males and the rest adult females and it was amazing to go over there and help train those keepers um hmm on behaviors of these animals and nesting behaviors and how to safely, not just for the keeper, but also for the animal, for that female who's guarding your nest, remove those eggs and set them up in the incubator. And to go in and, like, one of the final things I did before the day we left, when we got back in from the field, was go in with a little tiny broomstick and that, and just show them You know, and literally I was in the water with all 35 of those adult Crocs and just moving them gently and showing them, like, look, you know, this one is bowing up. This one's going to, you know, you're going to have to deal with it differently than this one. When you approach this one, it just wants to back away. And um, it was amazing. It was a great experience. The the people over there are great. And, um, I mean, to be... Working with that many African slender-sounded crocodiles in country after coming out of the field and doing that survey on them was amazing. It was, uh, wouldn't trade it for anything in the world.
3: Where did you sleep?
5: (laughs) Um, We slept, and there had been, they had developed, in this area, they developed about, I'm guessing about 10 years ago a lodge, kind of a primitive lodge that they were going to set up for tours because um, this is one of like the best birding places in the world. Right. But because of the coup that happened and then the Liberian Civil War that followed and now the Ebola, that thing has just set and rotted away to nothing. Mm. So we stayed there,
1: nice. but
5: um, it wasn't quite like you might imagine. <laughs> but uh, um, but I will say I have stayed in much worse, like just slung a hammock between two trees in the middle of nowhere, you know. Um, and uh, the people were amazing, and they, you know, we had uh, we had a crew of three women who had cooked for us. Um hey. And you know, yeah, it was great, uh, and they were just from the local village. Uh, Did they have But those? it was amazing. But it's interesting because when you go there, we had to stop, and we had to basically, you know, give our respect and ask permission from the the head chief um of that area to be there and just let them know. And so there's there's this very kinda stepwise, you know, thing that's the stuff you gotta go through um just so you don't you know insult anyone or step on anybody's toes.
3: Really, they like the um, white people to like people? <laughs> Yeah,
5: exactly. <laughs> but, uh, that was it, was, it was, it was, it was just a good time.
2: Did anyone call was you amazing. in Quenza Ocha? <laughs> <For
5: Chicago. laughs>
2: did anyone call you in Quenza Ocha? White uh, devil. No. no,
5: no, no. They, uh, one, if they did, they speak French and I don't, so I don't know.
2: <laughs> we...
5: Yeah, so they speak, they speak their African dialects and then French on top of that because it's a French colony, really, which is okay. very strange, my diet, um,
3: so this, but, uh, there's virtually no travel into that area. I'm assuming right now with no zero. None. So, like, were you like looked upon weirdly by people being there as obvious not someone from the hood?
5: I think you know. I think really they they almost look at you like you're a novelty. Um, yeah. I don't think anybody looked at us with any you know any.
0: You know, anything but
5: almost like, like what the hell are you doing here? Type of thing. You know, I, I mean, just out of like novelty and curiosity Why and maybe, and head? maybe scratch <laughs> their hands, like, yeah, like um, haven't you heard? Yeah, <laughs> you know, type of thing. Um, but you know, they're they're very accommodating, very friendly and welcoming. Um, you know, and it was it was just That's a good food. time. How's the food? Honestly. Um. We basically had uh chicken rice, kind of their version of like a couscous, which is, you know, uh something that they eat over there. Which it's is not bad. basically like rice version. No. And um, you know, and whole fish. Um, like we ate the hell out of because that's where it comes from. Um and um may or may not have partaken in a village goat um <laughs> on the Barbie one um <laughs> But, uh, yeah, no, it was good food. And then, obviously, like the local fruits and, and stuff like that. Uh, it was great. It was great.
3: That sounds like you had the uh, entire experience, man.
5: And then <laughs> so. <laughs> well I'm
3: jealous it sounds pretty freaking awesome actually and and just the opportunity to see you know how they operate like that on the other side of the world another zoo especially and, and a unique program like that which which is obviously a unique species in C2 I mean to get to see those animals alone is just oh, mind-blowing I can imagine being able to see all the other stuff and, and almost dying with some guy named Michelle so
5: I know I'm it was amazing <laughs> we shared a moment
3: <laughs> yeah, I'll stay. <laughs> Motherfucker, you're taking a picture of me while we're dying, I'll kill you! <laughs>
5: I'm glad we were able to get out of there because, you know, that water was pretty damn cold and moving fast, stripping the heat away from you, because what I did not want to tell was, you know, we had to lay huddled in the bottom of the kayak to keep warm a man named Michelle.
3: Will you cuddle with me, Michelle? It's so cold. <laughs> <laughs> right I
5: told him. I told him. I said, "Look, if this happens, I'm the big spoon." <laughs> I'm, I'm not sure
1: I it translated,
5: a, but I don't know.
3: <laughs> I have the back outer spoon. Outer. <laughs> oh
1: man. But imagine
5: this. I'm gonna. I I got to get this plug in real quick. Go ahead, go ahead. These two, two, two individuals that I brought with me were former students and graduates of Crocodile University. Nice. So can you imagine, we kind of counted this as their, like, advanced trip. We went to West Africa, went into this remote, insane area, and kicked off some research on two species of crocodiles and populations of these two crocodiles that have never really been researched before.
3: That's like the, it was the a L program of Croc U. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. It's a Croc U doctorate right there. Jesus Christ. <laughs> talk about child by fire. My God. I really need to Croc What was that? What's
4: that? I said I really need to do this Croc U course. Oh.
5: You do. You need to Can quit I- messing around and acting like a new and <laughs> get your ass down to Florida and make it happen.
4: I need to do it and then you have to take me on these trips as your assistant absolutely that's the deal down come down good. for the do do
3: croc fest Leanne we'll, I'll show you how to jump on the, the crocs he's got in the river in the ponds back there behind his house I got you covered that's we'll what you were time. up
4: to last year right
3: yeah. Oh <laughs> uh, Sean man, what can I tell you? Always always a pleasure. I'm so jealous. What a fucking amazing experience, West Africa, like nobody can do it. Um Jesus Christ, man. Thank you for coming on and telling us about it. What what an amazing experience.
5: Yeah, no worries. I'll keep you updated. We're going back um to initiate more research into the movements of the African dwarf there. Um because they are so and no one has really done any research on their their foraging and movements. Um, and uh, we're going to kick that off, and, you know, we'll we'll uh, let you know. And if anybody wants to go along and help out and contribute to the cause, um, you know, yeah, get with we, me. We, it's a good time. I going to say,
3: I didn't know this. This is, like, all news to me that you can actually, like, tag along on this. This is Fucking amazing! Ooh. Holy shit! Wait a second! Oh, you can't just glaze over that! No, no, no! <laughs> wait, wait! So, so you can actually come on this trip because I want to. I want to do that.
5: <laughs> yeah, no, absolutely. Yeah, I will tell you this: like almost every trip I do, like this, you will remember it for the rest of your damn life. It. Uh, they're not. You know, we don't. We don't go to any five star resorts. We don't. It is. We get out as remote as I can get into where, you know, wildlife is still wild and you know, it gets a little hairy now and then and and uh you gotta have your wits about you and, and survival sometimes is an issue. Um but uh sometimes. I will tell but you, you this if you pictures. make it back out <laughs> if you make it back out alive with me you will have a better story to tell than anyone you know.
3: And apparently some, some pictures from your iPhone too and thanks to Lifeproof for this moment <laughs> brought exactly. to you by Life <laughs> You
5: tonight.
3: think I'm right. joking?
1: I'm not no, I, I have I I have no,
3: Dude, I've I've gone I've gone a non crocodilian trips with you and I've never forgotten them. So believe me, I can only imagine what involved. would be involved in going to a West African country to chase after some rarely seen species. Um, it, it's, it's going to be on the bucket list for sure. Um,
4: well, was, some we, some we, of the best stories I've heard have been Sean's stories of travel. They're like the best stories I've heard.
3: Yeah, trust me, I've been around for some of them. They're no joke. <laughs> it's,
1: yeah,
4: it's they're always exciting.
3: We gotta catch up Sean um in the near future, anyway, because we got a lot to talk about with um we do Christmas crockfest, especially coming up because oh, it's yeah. gonna be quite tremendous this year, so we'll catch up with you soon about crockfest um if anybody wants to learn about this trip about going on um Obviously, a multitude of other trips will be coming up along the same lines. And also, if you want to learn more about Croc you, do find Sean on Facebook. He's quite accessible um and and get the information and do this. I promise you it's life changing. even the Croc u course um from just what I saw was just so amazing. Um, I, I definitely want to get involved with it more this year myself as well. And I advise you guys out there, if you have any interest at all in crocodilians, even if it's on a professional level or if it's just a personal curiosity, this is definitely a program that you will want to look into. I'm talking about experiences like nothing you can have anywhere else. Sean, thank you so much for coming on. It was a pleasure. Leanne, thank you for coming on and talking all about the importance of locking up the pussy. Um, we really appreciate Thank it,
4: guys. Thanks for
3: having me yeah, on. It's our
5: pleasure. Absolutely. We'll talk- always a pleasure. <laughs> all right.
3: Nice we'll catch up. On- yeah, you-, you can come hang with us soon again. we got to do it. we got to do it Absolutely. all. Yeah, for sure.
1: Absolutely, yeah.
3: <laughs> all right, guys. Can thanks a lot. All right. Thanks,
1: all right. Be good.
3: Take all care. Right, man. All right, guys. That was another episode of Urban Jungles Radio. Let me, uh, let's send us out here in a proper fashion, shall we, Andy? Let's end it right.
0: Another episode of the world famous Urban Jungles Radio Show. We'd like to thank our sponsors and most importantly, you, our jungle junkies, for tuning in this evening and supporting us in all that we do. Don't forget to tune in next Friday night for another live episode. And if you miss any of our shows, be sure to download them on iTunes for free. Be sure to like Urban Jungles Radio on Facebook and follow us on Twitter at UJ Radio. Thank you for listening to Urban Urban Jungles Radio. Danny, did
3: I forget anything? No, I just want to thank our guest this evening, Leanne Goswell, of course, and the amazing Sean Halfleck. Thanks for sharing your adventures in Africa, and I am beaucoup jealous. And Andy, thank you for being here, brother.
2: Thank you, my man. Another one for the records. And uh,
3: thank you, our jungle junkies, of course, for tuning in. We will be back in two weeks' time, and uh, trust me, you won't want to miss it. Not this one. Much like any other episode of Urban Jungles Radio. Good night, everybody. Later.